0: And with that being said, let's go ahead and get started. Hey guys, on the podcast today, you'll discover the biggest mistake people make when writing copy for their own offers that can completely kill their efforts. Best practices and habits to beat procrastination, push through creative resistance, and effortlessly pump out copy. How many hours in a day should newbie copywriters study? and is there a right balance? Enjoy.
1: So we got a question here from Sean Caesar. He asked, does writing successful ads work? I'm assuming he means as a newer copywriter like to like handwriting. He says, or do you suggest better exercises for copywriters? So.
0: Hey, what's up, Sean? How are you? Hey, how are you? Doing well. And then you, yeah. Just to clarify, you're you're thinking about uh, as far as the like, handwriting ads goes. Is that kind of the yeah,
1: question? That's it, handwriting
0: and ads. Cool. Yeah, I still like doing that. I don't, but I I type them. I don't get. I don't physically handwrite. Uh, you know, people talk about. It was like it was. Uh, was it Gary Halbert or Eugene Schwartz who said to to handwrite everything? And when it wants to put it in. I chat. Halber, so a it. Yeah. Because yeah. you go to the I,
1: state everything is different.
0: Like, I feel like the. Um, He didn't use like computers as much though, you know, like, (laughs) I don't know. I just feel like you can type like in this, it's uh, the same thing. So my personal opinion, the the way I approach this is uh, when I, and and this is what I did early on when I was starting out and and getting better uh, is I would read a lot of winning sales letters and I would watch the videos and I would transcribe them. So if it was a video, I would play the video and type out word for word as it was going and if it was a sales letter, I'd have that up in a Word document next to it. And I would go through and I would repeat it word for word. And I still do that today. If I'm going to write in a market that I'm not very familiar with, I will find like, other successful sales letters in that market, pull them up, and I will just go through and just rewrite the sales letter like by hand, but via typing. Um, I know I saw what Rachel just said. Physiologically, typing doesn't give the same result. Totally get it. I've, I've heard the studies on that too but honestly can i I ask something please yeah uh
1: when when i when i first like they told me you have to handwriting them so i started to handwrite them and once i write several paragraphs like i feel poor and like this is not working for me but when i read the ad only reading it i can identify that hey he meant this in this paragraph he said that and i can make uh like a an analysis to the ad just by reading it without a without writing but they say no you have to write it too so that's the 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 scheme of the ad will be downloaded in your conscious mind and when you will start writing ads you will use the same tone and voice and all these things like is that true or or it's not
0: right well i mean yeah i think that i think everybody's different everybody's learning style is different too I, i think one one danger we fall into is when anyone who's had success, when they say stuff, we always take it as being like a uh, canon or like an uh, you know an inviolable, inviolable, law. I don't know how you say that, but basically a law that can't be violated. Uh, and I think that you know if, if that is a style that's working for you, I think that could work. But I but I think probably maybe there's a hybrid there where you read and then you write down sort of your thoughts or notes on each section, and you kind of type and and maybe you t- you write out the phrases specifically that you really are getting value from and all that. I yeah, I just cause my thing with handwriting, like physically handwriting, is that my hand's gonna cramp. I'm gonna it's gonna take me so much longer. And I uh-huh. just don't feel like it's worth it, honestly. Um so I, I don't think you have to do it by hand, but I but I think being exposed to a ton of copy and looking at it and you know, reading through it and making notes. I think that's where the real value is. For me, the real value is if you're reading a bunch of sales letters or, or, and scripts and sales copy and ads or whatever it is, and you're getting exposed to that, and then you're writing down what you're noticing, you're making, you're, you're writing down your observations on commonalities and patterns and phrasing. I think that will make you very attuned and, and really get your brain working in the right direction so when you go to write your own copy you can draw on that experience you can draw on those memories you can draw on some of the phrasing and you can do it that way uh, but i yeah for me i'm just i don't i just can't get behind handwriting and stuff if it works for you or anybody who's watching or listening i think th- that's great but for me personally i just don't think it's um it's worth my time thank you so much yeah my pleasure cool ed who do we got next here
1: Okay, I like this. This is a good question from Marcus Sortias. So Marcus Sortias asks, when you transition from working on other people's offers to your own offers, what were some of the differences you discovered?
0: Cool. What's up, Marcus? How are you? Hey, I'm doing good. Good. Yeah, so I just, I've seen that a lot of copywriters start off working on other people's offers, and then later they start doing their own. So I'm just kind of curious, like, what are the differences that you've noticed like, when you make the transition? Yeah, and are you thinking uh, specifically in terms of writing copy or would you want me to go kind of even into running a business and that sort of stuff too?
1: Yeah.
0: Okay, cool. So yeah, I think as far as writing copy goes, when it's your own offer, it's not any different. I think that the, the, I think the way you have to do, you have to treat yourself as, as a client and just treat yourself as your best client. I think where people run into trouble is that they almost, they don't go as hard for themselves as they would for a client. And they sort of feel like they can take it easy and they feel not as motivated because there's uh. no deadline and there's no external pressure. So I think the most important thing there is to just treat yourself like you're a, a VIP really premium client. And if you write copy in that and you kind of do it from that mindset, I think that helps tremendously. That's probably the most important thing because otherwise it's easy to put it off because there's no, no one breathing down your neck. There's no real deadline uh, it's easy again to just sort of worry about would I say this, but if you almost remove yourself here and you think of yourself as again like pretend it's not for you, almost right. Um, I just think that 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 tends to be the best best approach that I've seen. And I'll add that one concern I had about running my own offers: like, how do you avoid getting like stuck into like spending all your time like on customer service and like answering support emails and stuff like that, especially if you're just yeah. starting out. Yeah, I think even just starting out, you can probably outsource that pretty easily. You don't have to go hire like a whole call center, but it's like you could find a a, a VA, a virtual assistant, on Upwork or somewhere, and pay them, you know, seven or ten dollars an hour, uh, and they're like in the Philippines or something, right, to um, answer emails for you. And maybe you know, it costs a couple hundred bucks a month, but assuming that you're making sales, that that's offset. As you scale, you could then, of course, move to a call center or someone who's a little bit more advanced. But I would look to just outsource those sorts of things so you can focus on the key needle-moving activities that are going to increase revenue, increase profitability, increase sales, and all that kind of stuff.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah, that was one of the biggest obstacles for me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> like, I was worried about dealing with like a problem in events like that. <laughs> Yeah. No, it makes sense. I, for my first health supplement company and and I was doing email drops at the beginning and I felt really, uh, was excited. And then I, I hadn't checked the, the customer support email and, and I'd launched maybe like a week or 10 days before and I never checked the email and I logged in (laughs) and there were hundreds of emails from people and I had a total panic attack. Right. Um, Yeah. But you know, and then I I ended up hiring in-house customer service pretty fast and doing all of that. But again, yeah, I think you can just outsource that to somebody like a virtual assistant and um, it'll be pretty cost effective and, and it'll, you know, save you a lot of time and, and allow you to get a good ROI. Cause again, you can focus on what's actually generating sales and revenue. So. All right. Thank you. Yeah. No, my pleasure. Thanks Marcus.
1: But a question here from Simon Chiem. Chiem I'm sorry if I mispronounced your name. Yes. Hi, Stefan. What are your practices and habits for overcoming resistance when sitting down to write
0: copy? Hey, Simon, how are you? Uh, doing well, guys. Thanks for the question.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Plan. So, so I've been following you for a while and Ian Stanley and, you know, one of the biggest challenges is just sitting down and, you know, pushing through creative resistance. And it's, it's obviously just like sitting down and like just writing. And I was curious, like, do you have any sort of, Habits that you like to do, like meditation and all that stuff. Um, you know, I'm just just curious.
0: What kind of uh, what kind of writing are you normally doing?
1: Right now, right now it's direct response, um, long form sales and email sales pages and emails.
0: Cool. Yeah, the biggest things for me would be one to have like hard times scheduled where I'm going to be writing copy. So having that time blocked off on my calendar and knowing, okay, during this period of time, I'm going to write, I think that is important. And then when that happens, I close everything. So I quit Skype. I keep Skype quit all day actually, but uh, if I happen to have it open, I make sure it's quit. I collapse all my uh, like browser windows. I X out of Facebook I don't have Gmail open. I have my phone face down, everything like that. That's, that's number one because I don't want to have my... If I get into a flow state, I don't want to have it get interrupted by a ding or a message or whatever it is. You know, Another thing would be, for me, using RMBC does help a lot, like my methodology, because if you've, if you've done the research... You kind, of, you kind of know, right? If you've done the research, then if you've done the mechanism and you've done the brief, then when it comes time to write the copy... And you sort of have a lot of the copy already written, so it's easy to just have a place to jump off from. And that really helps me a lot to really avoid writer's block or anything like that. Um, I have in the past, I've practiced... I don't like meditate. I would like to get more into meditation. But I have practiced doing a a routine where I listen to a song that kind of gets me fired up. And as I'm doing that, I then kind of repeat some affirmations. I had a coach who told me to, to do this. And and frankly, it worked. And then I sort of stopped doing it. But it was it a cool cool exercise. So just stuff like, you know, I'm one of the best copywriters in the world. And my writing, you know, helps people and brings changes the lives of my clients, the customers. And, you know, I kind of had like a cool set of affirmations that I would do. Um, and so, yeah, that that's... Those are two of the, the the main things. But again, if you have that a method or a process, like I'm I'm not trying to plug RMBC on the call, but like again, if you have a process where you're writing little chunks uh, of copy already, then when it comes time to actually write a full direct response promo, you already have all the copy written, and it's a lot easier to jump in. The big thing is like a blank white page, right? Staring at a big li- blank white page is kind of always intimidating. But if you already have some parts and you know where it's gonna where stuff's gonna go, it makes it a lot easier to sort of fill in the blanks. If that makes sense.
1: Definitely. Got it. I appreciate it. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah. Happy to, happy to share.
1: So this question was buried at the very, very bottom. And then I put in the chat. I said, Hey guys, make sure to vote for what question you wanted answered next. And when I said that this one question was at the bottom, all the way to the top, baby. So next up, we have my good friend jazz Courtenay asks when the clients well-researched and the mechanism behind the problem solution so for those who aren't aware stefan's one of like one of my favorite parts about stefan's method is has explanation of the mechanism behind the problem and the mechanism behind the solution it's a completely unique approach i've never heard of before and actually changed the game of copywriting for me so that's amazing um jazz basically asking if your client's done the research for you uh, do you still take the time to research your own stuff or just go off the client's expertise
0: Hey, Jazz. How's it going?
1: Hey, Stefan. And thanks, Ed. Yeah. Um, yeah, Stefan, you know who I'm writing for. So this guy obviously is a genius. And <laughs> he overwhelmed me on the call that we all had. And he kind of already knows a lot of behind why the product works, why other things don't work. And I'm doing my own research too, uh, going through the mechanism. But uh, right. what do you do when the, when your client already knows so much? Do you take the time to come up with your own mechanism or are you mostly going off of what the client already knows?
0: Yeah, that's a really good question. So I, it definitely depends. If the client has a really unique mechanism that I've never heard before, then I'm totally down with using that. I'm still going to do research to kind of back it up and I'm still going to write it out in my own terms and go through the mechanism step. You know, I think that that's really important. But if it's a really unique mechanism that is really novel and special, then I'm all about it. And that's, that's great. And that does shortcut the process. The challenge that a lot of copywriters run into is there. I don't know if it's one or two, but I'll, I'll kind of just vocalize it. Uh, sometimes the client thinks they have a mechanism when they don't. Right. So I've I've seen this twice recently. One is I, I, I'm doing a, an offer for a client and the kind of the anti-aging space and they have on their page a whole breakdown of this one ingredient. It's actually not even a mechanism. It's like an ingredient, but they're talking about this one ingredient and how great it is. And it's an ingredient that everybody's heard of uh, or a lot of people have heard of before. And like, so that's what their whole sort of current page talks about. But as I was going through the formulation, there's another ingredient that I'd never heard of before that has like crazy cool research like it basically is the only ingredient known to science to allow you to create new mitochondria which are the powerhouses of your cells and there's all these double blind human studies on um how it can help you to to like your, your mental clarity and your mind and uh just it protects your liver and it does all these amazing things and so when i'm kind of going through and looking at that uh you know it became really clear to me, even though the client has this existing copy and it 's talking about this common ingredient and like no way my my star ingredient is going to be this one that I just did all that i that is way more interesting and novel, so in a case like that, even though the client is an expert and he 's like you know the one who formulated it and done all this stuff i 'm still going to go with my gut and go with what I think is actually the most interesting thing. Um, the other example I have jazz that happened recently is is a coaching client of mine. Uh, I was working with an ex client of mine. I connected them together and, and he's doing a job for this guy. It's also in the health space. Uh, this one's actually a skin product, so it's relevant. Uh, but he um, is, the, then the the client had my friend get on. Um, yeah, let's call, let's call my coaching client, like my friend, and call the client who's paying him the client, right? So the client had my friend get on um, a call the, the the formulator guy and supplier, and the guy kind of broke it down for him. But he basically gave him like a seven-step thing and it does all this stuff. And then my friend was trying to like write the mechanism and he kind of had all of these steps and all of these things it does. And essentially I was like, dude, you got to like take all of that and kind of throw it out the window and focus on the one real cause of the problem, right? What's like the one root cause? Why is that really surprising, right? Even if, even if you're going to say it, it's, say it's, um, this is a random example. This isn't re- relevant to that product, but well, this isn't the actual mechanism, but you know, say your whole thing is, uh, you know, collagen, like you, you know, you, your ski of wrinkles, cause you don't have as much collagen once you hit the age of 40, like that's not really unique, but if you go like a step deeper and you're like, well, why don't you have more collagen? And you find out that there's some protein in the human body that feeds collagen, but that, that starts to vanish after the age of 35. And that's why then we don't have as much collagen and we have more wrinkles, right? So like, you can take what people are telling you, but I generally am still going to want to go another layer deeper. Otherwise, um I just think like, yeah, I think it would be a mistake to to trust the uh the client kind of fully, and I think if you can make it more unique or more of an exciting discovery, uh, I think that's still an important thing to do.
1: Wow, that's really deep, thank you
0: <laughs> yeah does that does that help though?
1: Yeah, that helps a lot this, that's wisdom right there.
0: okay, cool, awesome, really, really glad to help. And I'm glad I see some other people saying it was helpful, too, so awesome.
1: So Elizabeth B asks, Stefan, can your RMBC course be used for like your you know methodology be used for emails, Facebook ads, e-commerce, et cetera, or is it only for long form? Uh, and I said, in the chat, I said, uh, Elizabeth, you can use RMBC for any type of copy because it teaches you not how to write, but how to think as a copywriter. So you can apply that to any type of writing you, you do.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think, the process, like the research process, you know, the first thing you used it for, Ed, when you joined Copy Accelerator, and I taught research, and like, you just from the research module, you created a new set of ads for who you were working with at the time, and it was yep. like some of the best click through rates you've ever had, right? Yeah, it was, it was like crushed. Yeah, um, so just stuff like research, the mechanism stuff. I like think about it because even on ecom, uh, I think that, I think a lot of ecom pages actually are missing good mechanisms, and I think that's so, a huge mistake. And again, you really Want to differentiate your product, so you can have a, a unique mechanism for almost anything. I mean, even like a uh, even clothing, right? What what makes this clothing unique? Is it more comfortable than other clothing? Is it more stylish? And you can find sort of things that that really help you to to differentiate what you're selling from everybody else. Um, and then a lot of the other stuff in our, I mean, we have specific modules in RMBC on email marketing and on Facebook ads and on all this other stuff. So there's specific modules, but uh, even just things like fascinations or curiosity bullets, or writing great headlines—I mean, there's so much stuff that applies everywhere. So, I really do think that is something that you know applies to almost any type of copy or, or selling.
1: Yeah, if you're thinking about buying Stefan's course, do it. Do it. Seriously, it's thanks, Ed. Seriously, dude, your Facebook group is killer. Like people that, like, oh yeah, you get to join my Facebook group. No, you have like some of the heaviest haters in the industry in there just chilling, you know, answering comments and connecting. I know one guy who went in, brand new copywriter. He's already secured like 8K worth of gigs. He's only been there for like a month. But yeah. most copywriters are struggling to get like $300 gigs on freaking Upwork or on other Facebook groups. It's a different, it's a different caliber, man. Seriously, you've all, it's, it's,
0: it's incredible. Well, thank you. And I see people saying some nice stuff in the, the chat too. I really appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. All Sweet. right, and who, who we got next?
1: Jessica says... Hi. Thank you so much for doing this. How much study of copywriting do you recommend doing in a day for newbies? She's struggling to balance her time and knowing how much time she should spend a day to be successful.
0: Cool. How's it going, Jessica? Good. Can you hear me? I can, yeah.
1: Oh, great. Thank you. Yeah, so that's what I struggle with is like knowing how much is enough, you know, because there's no like metric that says, oh, great, you put two hours in today. You know, I mean, obviously you know, kind of like, oh, I think I'm getting this. But, you know, where is that thing of... Uh, I guess I want to know is like, how much time in a day is sufficient or good enough? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, and, and do you have a like a full-time job right now as well and you're kind of studying on the side?
1: No, I'm unemployed, but I am taking an AWAI uh, email copy class. And okay. so I do have some homework with that, which is reading and, and trying to write emails. Um, so I I do that in addition to just trying to study.
0: Cool. Got it. Yeah. I, you know, I don't think there's any magic number or answer. Right. But really the way I would look at that is, is, and I think if you, if you spend too much time, like you hear people who were, they're obsessed and they study for 12 hours a day and all that. But I think that's a good way to get burned out, honestly. Um, right. Like maybe that, that works for a couple of weeks or a month or something like that. Um, sorry, one second here, but over time, I think that that's, you know, going to be negative and not beneficial. So I really look at it as a perspective, as as much time as you can put into it comfortably without getting burned out and still feeling excited and still feeling passionate and all that kind of stuff. Like I, I think, you know, that's fine. So if you can spend two hours a day, most days, I think that's incredible. That's way more than most people are doing. Um, and then I think, over time, the practicing component is cool too. So the studying is is one thing, but actually writing and getting practice with writing and, and getting experience doing that uh, is really, really important too. So I mean, I look at it. Last thing I'll say to Jessica is like, maybe the um, think about like the Atomic Habits type stuff. Like if you look at like um, even if you get like one percent better at something, right? Over time, like that adds up exponentially. So if you just can get one percent better every not even every day but like every week or you know whatever even every month over you know over time that like compounds and you really can accelerate pretty quickly just by doing that uh it was ed ray it was it was atomic habits uh, it's a really really good book um so does that make sense jessica
1: yeah it does thank you very much i appreciate it yeah happy to help okay thanks cool
0: all right that's just about it for today before we finish, though, let me share a little bit more about how you can stay in touch with me. I have a private email list where I share high level tricks, strategies, and insights about copywriting, entrepreneurship, mindset, and more. In fact, often my podcasts are based on topics I first emailed out to my list weeks or even months earlier. So if you want to get brand new stuff from me every single day, go to stephanpaulgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe. These emails are often upwards of a thousand words, and I send them every day. So make sure you really can commit to engaging with me on that level. But as long as you can, and you should, because I do drop a ton of value in these emails, go apply to join my list today. And again, the web address is stephanpaulgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe. And in case you don't know how to spell my name, which is okay, it is S-T-E-F-A-N, Paul, and then my last name is georgi, G-E-O-R-G-I.com. So stephanpaulgeorgi.com dot com forward slash subscribe and I will see you in my email list.